Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to Miles Away. This is your host, Zach Honig. Today we are talking about San Francisco and the Bay Area in general. We're going to detail the city, various activities, and then your flight and hotel options. So today we have Brendan Dorsey, TPG's associate editor, on, on board with us. Welcome, Brendan. Thanks for having me, Zach. We're talking about a town near your hometown, San Francisco. Yes. Yeah, I'm originally from Santa Rosa, so about an hour north of San Francisco, but spent a good amount of time. And Santa Rosa, is it in Sonoma County? It's in Sonoma County. Yeah, wine country. So lots of wineries everywhere, right next to Napa County, which is a little more famous, but I think Sonoma has the better wines. So there's kind of a rivalry between the two. Oh, man, yeah, it sure sounds like (laughs) it. Yeah, yeah. So can you break down San Francisco for me? Just, you know, the the neighborhoods, places you you might want to visit as a tourist. Sure. I would say the city is kind of cordoned into four quarters. There's the northwest and the northeast are probably the two more popular areas. So the northeast is like where you're going to find like Knob Hill, Russian Hill, the Marina, the Embarcadero Financial District. That's like kind of where everything's happening, I would say. A lot of the restaurants, museums, hotels, etc., you probably want to stay in that area. You're going to at least have the most options there. The Northwest is a little bit more quiet. So it's like the Richmond district, the Sunset district, a little more residential. And then when you go a little more south in the city, that's where you get to also like residential areas. So there's like Balboa Park, Dolores Heights. The Mission is almost in that area. I found myself, I think, going to Fisherman's Wharf area and the waterfront. Embarcadero, is that? Embarcadero is also on the water, yeah. Okay. And does that fall within another area? I would say those are all kind of in the generally the northeast area, all pretty close to each other and definitely popular tourist spots. Yeah, that's where I've typically stayed and gone out and and really explored. But, I mean, it's a pretty accessible city. Obviously, there's a a very famous transportation option, the the cable cars. Yes, there are, yeah. They're not practical necessarily, though. Yeah, they're more of like a tourist fun thing to do but they have some routes that can actually you know move you across you know parts of the city but it's more of like just a a must-do fun kind of thing you can hang out of the side and let the wind blow in your hair while you're going up the big hill and then uh, is it a pretty walkable city i know there's some really steep hills yeah it's very hilly in parts of it not all of it is hilly so i think that's a little bit of a misconception but definitely parts of it are places where you don't really want to be walking long distances you know, now with like all of the transportation companies, there's Uber, Lyft, so it's easy to get around with them. They also have like the scooters there that you can. Oh, like the birds. Birds and, and limes. There's been some controversy. I know they've been limiting it recently, but you can still access them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's walkable in parts of it, for sure. It's not a huge city. I've walked around. I don't think I've taken public transportation except to get to and from the airport, yeah. which is pretty easy to do. BART is, you know, makes it very accessible from the airport. Yeah, it's not too hard. I mean, at least if you're off one of the BART stations. BART doesn't go throughout, like, the entire city, so you might have to take a cab to a BART station, and at that point, maybe you just go all the way. But if you're near a BART station, then it can definitely work. What does BART stand for? <laughs> um, it's Bay Area Rapid Transit. Okay. Yeah. All right. That makes sense. So who who would you recommend 
visit San Francisco? Yeah, I mean, I would say really anybody can find something to do there. There's nightlife, amazing food, even like outdoorsy parts within the city. There's a lot of parks. Um, You're right along the water, so you have access to that. I went up, you know, growing up as a kid all the time with my family, and we had tons of fun. So there's like a lot of like kid-friendly museums, the Exploratorium, which is really cool. It's even fun for adults. But I think anybody can find something that they want to do there. It's just a, it's a gorgeous city, so you're going to enjoy that no matter what. Yeah. The activities that still stand out to me to this day, and it's been years mm-hmm. since I've done them, but Alcatraz, obviously. Yeah. I mean, I would say definitely plan a trip to Alcatraz. 100%. Is it half a day, or do you kind of need a full day for that? You probably need, I don't know if a full, full day, but it's going to be at least six hours probably because it takes a while to get out there. You have to get to the ferry station, take the ferry out there, spend at least a couple hours on the island, and then and then make your way back to the city. And so if, if you're on Alcatraz, I mean, you, you can see the city pretty well. Can you see the, the Golden Gate Bridge from there yes. too? Yes, you can. Yeah. Can you walk across it? Or? You can. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. you can bike. You can bike, walk, scooter. I don't know. You can drive across it even. Yeah. <laughs> and, and some crazy traffic. I've definitely, like, on the weekends, yeah. you're going to hit traffic going across the bridge. Rush hour is pretty bad on the mm-hmm. 101. Yeah. But it's a lot cooler to see the Golden Gate Bridge below it from Golden Gate Bridge Park. Um, is that the park in, right in that area? Well, there's the Presidio on, okay. the, on the San Francisco side. And then on the, uh, the Marin County side is, like, the Marin Headlands. So that park is kind of up, like, the mountains that you see jutting out into the water. Got it. It's a great place to get away from the city and all the craziness there, and it's literally, you know, a 15-minute drive from the city, if not less. You Mm -hmm. know, it's right over the Golden Gate Bridge, which is really nice. So let's go now back over the Golden Gate into San Francisco and talk about some of your favorite places to visit. So once we're back in the city, I would probably say start at Golden Gate Park. It's kind of like San Francisco's Central Park. Huge, lots of things to do, walk around. They have a botanic garden that you can go visit. It's a nice place to escape if you want to get out of the craziness. There's also Land's End, which is another park that I really like. So it's kind of north of the the Golden Gate Bridge, and it's kind of hidden. You have to drive pretty far out, but you can hike there, and it's all in the water. So you can go down to the beach, hike up kind of in the mountains. You hike down to the water. It's a little more remote, so you might not get as many tourists, which is really nice. Say you're looking for a really active day. You know, you don't mind walking quite a bit, maybe 10 miles even. Oh, wow. A very, very active day. What, what would you do on your active day in San Francisco? An active day. Okay. There's plenty to see and do. So maybe you, you start out by the water. It's a little bit touristy and gimmicky, but Fisherman's Wharf is a fun place to check out. Um, a lot of good seafood down there, some different museums. It's also next to Ghirardelli Square, which has the Ghirardelli Chocolate Factory, so you can go there and see that. You can get an ice cream sundae with the yeah. ch- Oh, man. It's, it's really tasty. And it's a cool little area they, they've got set up there. They have some other shops and stuff, and it's all right along the water. And then Fisherman's Wharf has the, the seals that are ever so famous. Um, Love those seals. Yeah, just you can stare at them all day. <laughs> but then you wouldn't be able to walk around. Yeah, the rest of the day. that's true. It wouldn't be very active. No, but um, and you got to work off that Sunday. So what, what else are we doing? Uh, so maybe after that, we're going to go walk down uh, the coast kind of towards the Bay Bridge and we'll go to the Embarcadero. And right there they have like a pretty cool, it's like an old naval hall. It's like a food hall now. And they have different little places to eat or like grocery stores, things like that. It's right along the water, really beautiful. You can go outside, have a couple drinks. And then from there... Maybe it's you know the afternoon. The San Francisco Giants are playing. You can walk over to Pacific Bell Park and catch a game there, and it's one of the best baseball stadiums or parks, I should say, uh, in in the country, in my opinion, because you're right on the water. You've got a view of 
of the bridge, uh, the water, Oakland, Berkeley, get some good garlic fries. And then I'm going to continue my walk. What other neighborhoods should I check out? Neighborhood-wise, you can go up to Knob Hill is a a favorite of mine. There's plenty of good restaurants there, cafes, coffee shops. You could head out to Twin Peaks, which is kind of in the center of the city. It's this basically big mountain. You might not want to walk up it. You could. It would be a pretty long and arduous walk up to the top, but it's got an amazing view of the bay, of the city. Maybe catch a sunset up there. I think it's probably the highest point in the city, so that's awesome. You can make your way back down, go to the famous Painted Ladies, which is where they filmed Full House, or at least the intro to it. So it's five houses in all bright pastel colors. Gives your picture, your, your Instagram in front of it. Here I am, yeah. San Francisco. Yeah, I know you love your Instagram, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, look for the, the Painted Ladies one of these days. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll, <laughs> Keep an I'll, eye I'll out. I'll make sure to, to, to look for that. Let's hit the restaurants. Okay. Let's go. And then and then let's hit the pubs. The pubs. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. know, like, tacos are, are a pretty big yeah. thing, right? Yeah, definitely. There's burritos. Burritos, specifically. There's yeah. two places that are pretty famous and that I recommend both. I mean, there's a million taquerias to go to, but the famous ones are La Taqueria, which is, like, one of the best, I've been there. best burritos in the world, I think, personally. There's also down the street El Ferralito, which is almost as famous, but probably just as good. I think the first time that I went to a, a dim sum restaurant may have been in San Francisco as well. There's a big Chinatown there. Yes. And it's kind of a fun Chinatown. Yes. Yeah. You know, I, I grew up in the Philadelphia area and there's a Chinatown there, but I always kind of preferred the, the one in San Francisco just because it's more colorful. The signs are pretty colorful and everything, but it's kind of a fun place to hang out too. It's very, it's very much kept its roots and has not become a tourist trap as much as maybe the one in New York City. I've never been to the one in Philadelphia, but it's really great. A lot of good food there, a lot of cool shops. Like you can check out the Chinese markets, get some really cool food, like the grocery stores themselves. You see people playing like mahjong in the uh, the square there. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's great. One spot that uh, you know you might assume would be a tourist trap, but I actually love going to is called the Tonga Room. Mm-hmm. Have you been to the Tonga Room? You know, I haven't been there. I know all about it, uh, but it looks incredible. It's so yeah. much fun. It's the craziest thing. So it's in uh, what used to be the pool of the Fairmont Hotel. Yeah, they have tables kind of all along the sides of the pool, and so the best spots are the ones right up. You know, next to the pool, but yeah. in the evenings they have this really cool. Uh, they've got a, a band, and, mm-hmm. and they roll this this kind of like small barge out into the middle of the pool, yeah. and the band performs just right in front of everyone. And then they've got this really cool rain effect, not like at the Rainforest Cafe, <laughs> <laughs> where it's just kind of yeah, but it's it's actually a lot of fun. Yeah, and they've got some fun food. It's like Polynesian type thing, but I don't know. It's kind of hard to describe. Well, it's been around forever, right? It's been around for for quite a while because, yeah, yeah that, that pool hasn't been used for some time. But it seems like there's a bit of a, a theme of tiki bars in the city. Are there's there? a couple other ones that are kind of famous. Smuggler's Cove and Pagan Idol. I don't know if you've heard of any of those. Oh, man. It's a theme in San Francisco, which is kind of fun. So what are some of your other favorite restaurants in San Francisco? Foreign Cinema. It's in the Mission. It's a really fantastic place. So it's like in, a dine-in movie theater? It used to be an old movie theater, I'm pretty sure. They have movies playing, like, up on the, the wall, you know, big projections. It's really cool. And they have, like, microphones that you can, like, speak into. Like, it's all, like, old-school themed. I love that. We can record our podcast there. Yeah. <laughs> we should. The food is, is really incredible. So if, let's, let's say you have, like, a, you know, a long weekend in San Francisco. Should you focus on the city or would you kind of split it up, split up your time and maybe go to Santa Rosa or 
you know, Napa, elsewhere in Sonoma. Yeah. I mean, if it's your first time in San Francisco, there's going to be plenty to do for a long weekend. So I would definitely stay there. If you've got maybe a week, maybe that's when you branch out for a day or two into to Napa or Sonoma. It's, you know, an hour away, so it's really easy to get to. You can even Uber out there if you want. You can do a day trip. I know people will do that and Uber from place to place to place if they don't want to have a designated driver. But it's accessible. It depends on, I guess, what your priorities are. But I would definitely stick with a... Uh, I think my priorities are wine. <laughs> <laughs> then get, definitely go out there. Yeah. Um, but so... If you're going just and staying in the city, yeah. just would you take BART or public transportation from the airport and then not worry about having a car at all? Or does it still make sense to, you know, to rent a car just so you have a little bit more flexibility? I, I think if you're just staying in the city, I would just take an Uber or take BART. It's really – parking is expensive there now that it's become such a popular city and destination and just like tech hub. It's kind of getting ridiculous to park mm-hmm. your car there. And you don't really need it. There's Uber and Lyft everywhere. It's relatively decent pricing rely on that on my last visit i did actually end up renting a car because uh we were splitting time between san francisco and napa yeah. and then ended up driving out to yosemite as well oh really which is a hike i mean yeah. it's like i think it's hours. like yeah three four hours to yeah. get out there mm-hmm. um but i guess if you have a you know a longer week i think a couple maybe two three days to explore the wineries in, in napa maybe more time if you also go to sonoma yeah a couple nights in, in san francisco and then if you want to you know venture out maybe have two weekends with the full week between totally Yosemite is a pretty cool spot. There's quite a few places that are accessible like that from San Francisco that are amazing. There's Yosemite, there's Monterey, there's Tahoe, which is about four hours, um, and then there's Wine Country. So those are four beautiful, amazing spots that people from around the world come just to see for that, all within a couple-hour drive from San Francisco. Even just San Francisco and and, uh, the Bay Area in general. It's just it's one of my favorite spots. Yeah. It's definitely one of the most beautiful places in the world. I know I'm biased, but it's I've been to quite a few places now, and... I, it always comes back to my mind, you know. I would love to move back there at some point. So uh, as expensive as it is to live there, you can actually find somewhat affordable hotels. So we're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to dig into flight and hotel options. Sounds good. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. And we're back talking about flight and hotel options. So SFO, the San Francisco International Airport, is kind of the main gateway to the Bay Area. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. But there's a few other airports you can fly into. There's Oakland. There's Oakland, yep. And San Jose. San Jose, yeah. Which is pretty far south. So if you're going to Silicon Valley, then San Jose might make sense. Yeah. If you're flying in to check out San Francisco, I definitely recommend Oakland or San Francisco. Avoid San Jose if possible. But if you really need to, you could. Just a bit of a hike. So SFO, I mean, San Francisco is beautiful. The weather is usually pretty good, yeah. although you can have, you know, weeks of rain even at times. Mm-hmm. But SFO deals with an issue that, you know, you probably wouldn't expect necessarily, and that's some crazy fog. Mm-hmm. And so that area in particular seems really susceptible to fog, and that can cause really, really long delays and cancellations. 
But I've heard that Oakland, if you find Oakland, you know, that's one way to kind of get around that issue. Oakland doesn't deal with the same fog that SFO does. Yeah. I, you know, I don't fly out of Oakland too often, but I, I think that is true. Oakland is a huge Southwest hub. So if you're a Southwest flyer and lover, you know, you're going to be flying into there. Um, most of the other airlines are, are based out of SFO, the big guys. And now with Southwest's new flights to Hawaii, yes, they'll go out of Oakland. Yes, they do. So you could fly into Oakland from wherever you're coming in from elsewhere in the U.S., stay over a few days in San Francisco, and then continue out to Hawaii on Southwest. Yeah, that's definitely an option. It's pretty easy to get to Oakland Airport from, from San Francisco. And then yeah. can you take the BART? Do they have the BART from the airport? Yes, too, you can. I think there's a connector. Oh, though. nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But pretty easy from SFO to, to the city with the BART. Absolutely. And most airlines fly in. It's not really a big hub for many airlines, no. although United has a, a Pacific hub. Yeah. So if you're flying to you know to Asia, a lot of the United flights, probably most of the United flights to Asia are going to go through SFO. That's correct. Yeah. Great Polaris Lounge. Great Polaris Lounge. The biggest Polaris Lounge, I think, in the system. Yeah. Very large Polaris Lounge. Yeah. And, and uh, lots of Star Alliance options, lots of connections to Europe, uh, to Asia, to the South Pacific as well. Um, obviously, plenty of flights to Hawaii. Um, and then lots of connections to San Francisco from throughout the U.S. Yeah. And the fares can be pretty decent, just like uh, you know other transcon options to Los Angeles. You can pay about you know three hundred dollars on trip as long as you're not booking during peak periods. Yeah, honestly, I would even say less than that. I'm looking all the time to go back home. So from from New York at least, there's so much competition on that route. Like for a while, I was seeing consistent fares round trip nonstop for like two hundred twenty, two hundred thirty dollars. Oh my god! On all of the airlines, so you know United, Alaska, American, whatever you want. Just be aware. One thing I'd point out is that some of those fares, especially in United, yeah. uh, they're basic economy. It's true. And so if you book United's basic economy, you don't get a seat assignment, which is also the case with American, but you also don't get a carry-on bag. Yeah. And so you're going to end up paying quite a bit more. So just keep an eye out. If you see a basic economy fare on Delta, that's probably the one I would go for. That's the, the most flexible. But then if you book some of the other airlines, the fares may be the same, but you'll get a non-basic economy or just a regular economy fare. Yeah. Well, Alaska, unfortunately, they, they kind of switched over to, to basic economy. They have these saver fares now. So they're a little bit better than basic economy, but you have to pay extra to choose your seat. But the nice thing about them, I'm going to plug Alaska right now because I, I know love you're them a big all. Alaska fan. Yeah, at least for transcontinental flights, mainly because you still earn miles based on the distance flown with them. So, oh, that's nice. So on a transcon flight, that can really add up. Um, and their fares are competitive. So you might get five or 6,000 miles off a, off a transcon. That's without any elite bonuses. Um, and that can really add up over time. And plus, it's really easy to get elite status with them. So if you're going back and forth a couple times a year, I think four round trips on Alaska between New York and San Francisco will get you their lowest level elite status. Oh, and you're pulling that easily. Yeah, easily. Easy, easy. And Thanksgiving, you, and Christmas. And you've upgrades too, if I remember. Quite a few times I get upgrades. And I'm just the lowest level status. So um, that's why I love it so much. And there's no dollar requirement. So if I get four cheap round trip fares, I'm... I'm already at status. You're, you're a true Alaskan, Brendan. Yeah. <laughs> and they have a good product, too, though. Speaking of good products, though, my favorite still, I think, is, is probably JetBlue Mint. And so JetBlue, uh, I mean, Mint is available on a whole bunch of different routes now. But one of the first was SFO yeah. from both uh, JFK and Boston. And so if you're looking for business class, uh, I've seen fares pretty consistently, you know, as long as you're booking maybe a, a few weeks or a month out, uh, in the, like, five ninety nine range yeah. or so. Yeah, uh, So not, not bad. Not bad at all. But what I will say is that even last minute, sometimes you can get decent fares to SFO. So probably not your best pick for, uh, you know, redeeming 
miles for a flight. Yeah, I would say so. Unless it is, you know, JetBlue points or Southwest where it's it's fixed based on the cost of the ticket. That's correct, yeah. Although I have I have had a couple times where I've had to fly last minute back home. And United Miles, I found, came in very much so in handy for that because they seem to open up saver availability for last minute seats. So, you know, maybe the ticket was three or 400 bucks and only 12,500 miles one way. So I found that to be useful. Where do you stay now when you go to, to San Francisco? I know we talked about the neighborhoods a little bit, but are there you know some favorite hotels? Or I guess you stay with family. A lot, yeah, right? I stay with family or friends usually, but I've, I've stayed at a couple of hotels. The W is really nice. I've stayed there before. The Palace Hotel is what I really loved. Me and my girlfriend did oh, like It's a, like a luxury collection, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you can book it with Marriott points. You can also book it through MX's Fine Hotels and Resorts mm. program and get you know free upgrades. And they have, I think, $100 dining credit is one of the amenities that comes with that. But it's such a beautiful hotel. I really, really loved it. We stayed there for a night just like randomly, like staycation, and had breakfast there the next morning. It's kind of this like palatial lobby that they have and they have a really good brunch that you can get there very cool yeah what about uh hilton or hyatt options yeah there's three hyatt options there's the hyatt regency grand hyatt and then there's also a i think a hyatt and fisherman's wharf oh yeah i've, I've stayed there before yeah and it looks like they all cost twenty thousand hyatt points category five okay. yeah so reasonable i would shop around though especially yeah. on on the weekends sometimes you know i've seen pretty pretty decent rates san francisco tends to host a lot of conferences and so, because they've got the Moscone Center. Yeah. And, you know, when there are conferences in town, the rates can go through the roof, but you can still find decent redemption values. Totally. I mean, the value actually goes up quite a bit because you could, you know, it's 20,000 points or $800 a night. Yeah. We were just looking at the St. Regis before this and it was under $400 a night, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty good for a, and it was last minute too. So. Very cool. Yeah. So, uh, Brandon, if someone wants to follow along on your adventures to the Bay Area and beyond... Where will they find you on sure. social media? Uh, my Instagram handle is Brendan Dorsey one and I think my Twitter handle is Brendan underscore Dorsey. Well, safe travels, Brendan. Thanks, Zach. That's it for this episode of Miles Away. Thanks again to TPG's associate editor, Brendan Dorsey. Again, I am your host, Zach Honig. This episode was produced by Margaret Kelly and Caroline Chagrin, with editing by Ryan Gavis. Our music is by Alex Schiff. If you've been enjoying Miles Away so far, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you choose to listen.